Are you ready to study God's word together? Come on, get your Bibles out and I'm going to be reading out of the Gospel of Luke here in just a moment. Luke's Gospel, you can find chapter 4. And I just want to make a quick mention of something. Um, We've had just two special ladies with us all summer. Anna and Jeanette. We're so glad that you were with us this summer. They're from Spartanburg. You go to Converse, right? Both of you go to Converse. And Anna's president of the student body. Well, you go, Anna. I did not know that. Well, you go on. Anyway, these lovely girls that have been here all summer long, we've appreciated them. They've been here on every Sunday. They've been on an internship. I want you to listen to this. Been on an internship. I think you've been here every Sunday unless you went back home for some reason. You've been here every Sunday. You've been here every Wednesday. You've been to Connect Group while you've been here. Oh, could you leave a deposit of all of that with us? We are so glad you're here. But but uh, we had some... I saw Alex is back with us from the summer. We're glad Alex is back. And I, and I know that Jessica and Malia and Eric are, are all coming back from their missions trip. So we're switching all of our college kids out here. And we're excited about that. Um, but ladies, we're just glad you were here. We speak blessings over you. My prayer is that God will bring you back to Charleston somehow after your senior years. And um, he'll just do great things in your life. But uh, we've known Anna since she was, I don't know how big Anna, probably, pro- she couldn't walk. Same age as Tyler. So, so there's, a, see, you get older, but I don't get older. So I don't know how that works. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. All right. But, but I, I don't, I, I, I prophesy over both of you. I don't have a word for both. But Jeanette, this is going to be a breakout year for you. I just want you to know that you're going to go back. And I don't know all the story that led you to this place. Don't really know much about you aside from you've been hanging with Anna. So you picked your friends pretty good. But, but the Lord said, tell that young lady that, that this is going to be a breakout year. This is, this is going to be the year that you hoped you would have had. In fact, it was almost like there was a disappointment that ended the last year. But the Lord says that, that I, you thought that was a disappointment. It was actually a closed door. But I'm going to cause you to have a breakout year. And that disappointment is going to fade away into nothing. You will remember it no more. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause it to be a breakout year. It's going to be a wonderful year for you. And, and many of your heart's desires you're going to find happening one after another after another after another. So he wants you to go back with great expectation and believe him for great and mighty things. God's going to do that for you. Amen. All right. Amen. Cool. All right. And Anna, God's always good to you. You come from good stock. So we'll just affirm that. All right. You got your Bibles open to Luke's gospel. Uh, It's been some time before uh, since I have uh, recast or rekindled the vision of this church, and I want to do that this morning, um, I ran across a story uh, concerning a group of pilgrims 350 years ago that sailed across the ocean and landed here, obviously along the eastern shore of America, and they established they established their settlement, they established a town. And obviously, it would take a great deal of vision and a great deal of courage in order to jump on the ships that they traveled in back in the late 1600s. Have any of you been to Jamestown or any of those settlement sites where you get to actually see the ships? Maybe you've seen 
replicas of the ships that they used to come over here. I'm telling you, it would take incredible courage. I mean, getting me on a cruise liner takes incredible courage. But to go across an ocean in the size of the ships that those people traveled in is just absolutely mind-boggling. And groups of people did exactly that, and they crossed an ocean. And according to the story, it is said that in year one, these pilgrims came and they established a town. In year two, they elected a town council. In year three, the town council proposed a five-mile road that would go west out of their town. In year four, the people wanted to impeach the town council because they thought the road would be a waste of the town's money. Now, I don't know whether the story is actually true or not, but... As I read it and came across it, I thought to myself that the point of the story is well taken. And that is, here was a group of people that at one time had the vision and the courage to cross an ocean and resettle their whole lives. But once they got settled, they couldn't see five miles into the wilderness. Vision is something that has to continually be be stoked like like a dying fire in a fireplace. It has to continually be stoked and kept fresh. It is something that expands and it needs restated consistently. I have found that vision is what I call a dynamic thing. It's not, it's not in cement. It's not static. It, it, it's, it's a dynamic sort of a thing. It is something that is fresh and, it, and it's moving. And it grows and it enlarges as you become more aware of the full ramification of what this vision that God has given to you is all about. In Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, you don't have to uh, turn to that. Just keep your finger there in Luke's gospel. In Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, in fact, I believe it'll be on the screen overhead. The old King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, if you were to study the literal Hebrew and begin to draw out of that what what Solomon or the proverb writer is trying to communicate to us, it literally means this, where there is no ongoing prophetic insight or revelation, the people wander aimlessly until they perish. And so Proverbs 29, 18 says to us that there is this this ongoing enlargement, there is this ongoing uh, 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 addition that, that comes to vision, that, that continually gives us direction, it continually points the way, it continually lets us know what way we should be going. So vision is an ongoing thing. And I, I suspect that's because God is unlimited. You realize God is unlimited and you cannot exhaust Him. So about the time you think you've gotten to the place where you knew God was leading you to, you'll find out that the Lord will open more up to you. Because it's not about an end, it's about a journey. And if he dumped the whole thing on you at once, I mean, I remember back, looking at these college kids, I remember back when I was in college, if the Lord would have dumped on us, honey, all that he was going to do in our lives for the 30 years after, 
you know, we were at college. If the Lord had just dumped the truck on us, I'd have said, whoa, I didn't sign up for that. I mean, he only tells you the stuff that kind of excites you to keep you moving. He doesn't tell you those challenges and the character formation and the other areas of life that are going to be needful in order to get to destiny. And so he doesn't dump the truck on us, but he gives us enough so that we'll trust him and we'll take the next step. Now, it's interesting to me, as I began to think about this, that even Jesus had a vision. I, I mean, God had a vision. And, and it, it's helpful to us if we can understand a little bit about Jesus' vision. Um, it'll help us rekindle, I think, our own vision, whether it's personally or corporately. So let me read to you out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. I'm going to begin with verse 16. And uh, I, I'm talking to you what I've entitled this morning, The Dawn of a New Day. Isn't that, isn't that a cool thought that we could have a dawn of a new day? Maybe you need a dawn of a new day. I mean, we all need do-overs, don't we? We all want the new chapter to be written. We all want the page to be turned. We all want some door to close and some new door to open. We, we want these things. I believe the Lord has them for us. So let's read Luke 4, verse 16. Jesus is just coming out of the wilderness. He came back to his hometown, and this is what we read. So he, meaning Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now I'm going to stop there for just a moment. Some of your versions will say this. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now I'm going to stop right there because there's another sense of that verse. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But you'll want to underline that in your Bible. That there is... There is a year that is coming up that is different than the year you just lived. Isn't that good news? Praise God. Praise God for new years. Verse 20. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The dawn of a new day. Jesus, as I mentioned, had just come out of the wilderness. I'm just sitting here thinking, if you're in a wilderness, I got some good news for you. That you're going to come out of your wilderness with a vision. Isn't that good news? You may feel like you've been in a desert or you've been in the wilderness, but, but when you come out, you'll come out, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit, and you're going to come out with a vision. And so here Jesus is coming out of his wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He has a vision and he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, and he begins to go public with this vision. And in this section that I just read to you, we're going to learn a little bit of what it means to embrace vision for your life and what it means for us as a body to embrace vision. In order to do that, I, I want to begin with talking about what the real meaning of vision is all about. Now, I like reading, and maybe it's probably because I'm a pastor and I have to bring a level of leadership to the local church. 
But I like reading different types of leadership books. I've got all sorts of shelves lined up with leadership books. I like vision books. I like reading these sorts of things about structure and organization. I I like all of these things. But it's interesting as you read these books and they begin to talk about vision, they define vision as this. It is the ability to see a preferable future. The ability to see a preferable future. So if, if you're going to get a vision and you want a vision for some aspect of your life, this is where it needs to begin. You have got to begin to see a preferable future. I'll just give you an example. If, if you want a better relationship, you've got to get a vision for that. You have to begin to see a preferable future. If you want a new career... A new job. You have to begin. It starts with vision. You've got to get a vision. You've got to be able to see a preferable future. If there's some aspect of ministry, if there's some traveling you would like to do, you'd like to go somewhere in the world or some place you would like to go see, you've got to get a vision for these things. I always remember the story of Arnold Schwarzenegger who used to go to the, to the, the theater to watch the movies in Germany when he was just a young boy and he would see all the movies with Clint Eastwood and John Wayne and he, he writes in one of his books he says that he would sit in the movie theater and he would envision going to America and being in the movies. That's where it starts. You have to begin to see, see what it is that God is drawing you to or calling you to. So any desire you may have has to become a vision. It is the ability to see a preferable future. Now, churches must have vision too. We not only cultivate vision as an individual believer or an individual human being, but we as a people must begin to see. And this is what the real challenge is, is because how do you get, let's say 200 folks are with us today. Let's just say, how do you get 400 eyes to see a preferable future in the will of God? Well, a part of that gets downloaded from me to you. A part of that is me as pastor doing my best in order to paint pictures for you on a continual basis. That will help solicit your imagination so that you, along with me, we together can begin to see what it is God has called us to do. Now, this really is what Jesus was attempting to do in his own hometown of Nazareth. He comes out of the wilderness full of the Spirit of God. He has a vision that's burning inside of him. He stands up at church, so to speak, at the synagogue, and he begins to declare the vision and the passion that he has to the people of his own hometown. He begins to download into them this, this, this picture so that he can begin to identify who it is that may want to take this journey with him. And of course, in his day, it wasn't like they were writing these leadership books or there was some course that he went and took or he went off to a conference somewhere of course i thought to myself as if jesus needs to go to a conference you know but the truth of the matter is there were some things that got worked in him on that man side of the equation and he begins to define vision in a unique way 
which I want to pick up on this morning because as he defines it, he calls it the acceptable year of the Lord. I've come to declare to you the acceptable year of the Lord. I've already told you that some versions say the favorable year of the Lord. But literally, you could translate out of the original language the phrase, Jesus standing up and saying this, I have come to declare to you the dawn of a new day. I mean, that's just a, that was just a powerful thought to me. That he comes out of this wilderness, he comes out of this difficult time, He comes out of this time, do you understand the enemy? The enemy was doing everything he could to detour Jesus off of his mission. Doing everything, taking advantage of him, manipulating scripture, twisting things around. In this time period where he's trying to commune with God, he's fasting and he's praying. And and all of these upheaval type things are going on. And, and, And he comes out of this thing with this vision and he declares a dawn of a new day. Now get a hold of this, folks, because some of you, some of you, I'm telling you, are facing upheaval and difficulty and hardship, and, and you're trying to get the voice of the Lord speaking to you, but at the same time, you got the enemy yanking you every which way but loose. I'm telling you, there is a dawn of a new day for you. There is a dawn of a new day for you. And so he lays out this vision concept. Now I want to go through this just real quickly, I think. I call it the elements of his vision. It should be the elements of your vision. You ought to write these down because I'm telling you, if you want to get promoted, if you want to go forward in life, and we sang that this morning so appropriately, if you want to go forward in life, I would write these things down if you're trying to hear from God. And they're going to help you begin to to codify or understand what it is God's talking to you about. The elements of any vision. When Jesus presented this vision in Nazareth, there were some elements... That should be in all of our visions. Individual or church wide. Number one. Your vision ought to be scriptural. He read from the book of Isaiah. There was a place he could go to. In the book. He could point to it and say. This this is what God's talking to me about. This is the vision. This is God's will. Every one of us should be able to go to the Bible. And begin to hear God's voice out of the scripture. And begin to find the place. That God is calling us to and say, this is, this is the rhema. This is the word. This is, this is the anchor in my life. It's scriptural. It's scriptural. What I'm doing is scriptural. Wouldn't it be nice to do life scripturally? Sure it would be. So whatever it is God's called you to do, there ought to be some scripture that you can back it up with. If God's calling you to do something that's against scripture, then can I suggest to you that may not be a good vision. Now, you can have a vision for that and you may see it come to pass. But the key to vision is not just you get your way. The key to vision is am I fulfilling the purposes of God? So scriptural. Number two, there should be a calling to it. The spirit, the Bible says, was on him. It was evident that God had had touched him for this. In fact, I believe that in some ways the word calling is, is, is almost analogous to the word convinced. When you're called, you're convinced. I mean, I mean, you could pluck me out of what I'm doing now and I could go back and sell clothing at JCPenney. I've done that. I could ride grain trucks, you know, for a grain company. I've done that. I've done all sorts of things in my life. But there comes a moment that it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You know what you're called to do. I mean, you're convinced. 
convinced. I'm convinced that I'm called to do what I do. I'm convinced I'm to do it here in Charleston, South Carolina. I am convinced of these things. So there should be a calling to it. If, if, if what you're doing, now it could be along the way to vision. Don't misunderstand. There are things we all do on the way to vision. Because how many of you know, I could have looked at the, the job at riding the grain trucks for Spartan Grain years ago, and I could have said, hey, I ain't called to this. Well, then you know what? I probably wouldn't have paid my rent, and I probably wouldn't have ate, and they probably would have taken away my automobiles, and, you know, and I'd be in a heap of trouble. So, so you can be called to something and not necessarily in it right away. All right, we just need to make sure we get that, because I could just see everybody going out of here going, I ain't called to this. Well, okay, you may not be called to this, but for the moment you're in this, called to do whatever it is God has called you to do. There's a calling to it. Number three, there should be an anointing for it. Jesus could do what he said he was called to do. He had a vision to do this. It wasn't just theory. He could do, he just, he reads all of this. Fairly self-evident what it is that he says that he's able to do and he's able to shell the corn. He's able to do what he says that he's called to do. Now, again, there's always grow up period. There's maturing period. There's all sorts of things as God raises people up in his purposes. But there comes a moment that if you say you're called to do something, you ought to be able to do it. There ought to be a little fruit to the calling. So there's this anointing for it. I'm just giving you some elements of vision. Number four, it should be good news to those who hear it. Whatever it is God's called you or me to do, it should be good news to those who hear it. I have found that God is more optimistic than most people give him credit for. I have some good news for you today. If you want, today can be the start of a brand new day. It can be. Today can be your brand new start. Now, you can, you can say, I don't know, I believe that, want that. It's just, you can do that and it won't be yours. But if you want a dawn of a new day, it can start today because God could put vision. He could download some vision into you today that'll be good news. Number five, I believe that vision should be a such that it heals those who are hurting. People hurt at times. They need a place where the heart can be made whole. And so any vision, I think, should have that element of healing people. Number six, I believe it opens doors to the stuck. A vision gets people from the place they are to the place they need to be. You see, your vision isn't just about you. Your vision is about really helping others. If it's a God vision, that element has to be in there. Now, it may be your career. It may be your job. You may get paid for it. It may be something that you, you have that, that, that creates finances into your household. These things are perfectly fine. But there should be an element that it helps other people. That's a part of vision. Vision should have a selfless aspect to it. Number seven, it provides, I believe vision provides revelation and understanding to the ignorant. God gives vision in order that other people might understand what his will or his ways would be in this area. And I mean this lovingly and, and again pastorally, but, but truth of the matter is sometimes people aren't bright. They don't know that they're missing something that they really need. And so a part of vision is to communicate or unveil to them understanding about a certain area of life. Number eight, I believe every vision should deliver those whom the enemy has ensnared. 
You know, Jesus spent a lot of time, this was interesting to me, he spent a lot of time casting out devils. Now, you know, I've had people say to me on occasion, you see a devil behind every rock and under every bush. No, I wish they'd stay there, but I really don't do that. But truth of the matter is, they are in the earth. And our commission is to deal with it. There is no one else that can deal with this but the church. You understand that, right? I mean, I mean, he just didn't hide, the enemy didn't hide under a rock somewhere and, and just doesn't, you know, care or work. I'm, I'm telling you, he's an aggressive enemy and it's time we got aggressive as the church. Time to get the enemy packing. It's time to put him back under our feet. As I read in the book of Romans, that's where Paul said he belonged. May the God of peace soon crush Satan beneath your feet. So, number nine. I've already mentioned vision should be an opportunity for a fresh start. And then lastly, number 10, I believe vision starts today. Today, Jesus said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. You don't have to wait. This is good news. You don't have to wait next week, next year. You don't have to wait till things change in your life to get a vision. That vision can start today. You can... You can solicit the Holy Spirit to begin to help you in your imagination to begin to paint a picture of a preferable future. Come on now, you got to get a vision. Some of you right now, you got to get a vision. You you want you want to be whole as a person. Can I can I share with you the first step to getting whole as a person? If you're honest enough to say that you're a little dysfunctional or if you're honest to say that that you don't have all your P's and Q's together, the first step you need to take is you need to sit down, close your eyes and get a vision as to what you would look like if you were normal. Look like what, uh, get a vision and, and begin to look in, and what, what would you look like if you were free from a bondage or from an addiction? What would you look like if you were actually happy and optimistic and joyful? you got to begin to see these things. See, we're all waiting for some exterior goose to make us happy, optimistic, fulfilled, content. We're waiting for the universe to somehow change to make us feel good. Revelation, it ain't changing. They're going to continue to... To be like they are, it is run by the God, little g, of this world. It is going to continue to be negative and critical and all the things that it is. You have got to determine internally that I'm going to get a picture of a preferable future. This is what I see. And then you don't let anybody detour you from your picture. And I know that they'll be jumping up and down going, don't you see what's going on around you? No, I see my preferable future. I see my new day. I see my new ways. I see that new chapter. I see that new person. I can see it. And when you begin to see it, you need to say it, and then you can seize it. But all these are a part of vision. Now here at Legacy, I believe vision corporately accomplishes certainly all of those things. And, and, I've, and I've just written this. If you guys would throw it on the screen. And, uh, you know, there's a thousand ways. I've, I've read so much on how you begin to articulate vision. But I put it in a sentence like George Barna would want it. And it's like this. We are a credible, spirit-empowered church 
that is reaching the Charleston area and beyond with the word of God and the power of God, with the message and the ministry that people can be free, whole, and victorious only through Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Now, other churches will have visions and they'll say it different ways and, and uh, there'll be all sorts of ways that that thing will unfold or, or manifest by way of program or by way of ministry. But from Sunday morning services to encounter weekends, from discovery classes to connect groups, from the school of ministry to consecrate classes, to Lifehouse Youth, to Planet Shakers and Little Fishers, to iron men, to the women of power, and anything else that we may do as a local body, it all boils back to we are a credible, spirit-empowered church that is reaching Charleston and beyond with the Word and the power of God, with the message and the ministry that people can be free, they can be whole, and they can be victorious through Jesus Christ. All of these other areas of ministry program simply fulfill what it is God has asked of us to do. Now, we may say it a thousand different ways. I may come up here six months from now and I may give you this little rhymy jingle. You know, and I may even give it with a little dance. It may have a little alliteration. We may be able to put it on a t-shirt. Throw it on the website. You know, we've, we've done, uh, you know, God's total word for man's total need. Growing true disciples. We've used, you know, reaching, reaching people, restoring hope, rebuilding lives, reclaiming the culture. We've done, you know, win, connect, disciple, send. I mean, there's all sorts of ways this can be, this can be fleshed out in program. But the, the bottom line is, this is why we are here. This is what we do. It's not to suggest that other churches don't do some of the same things. I would suspect every church should do many of the same things. But I am here to suggest that God has called us to uniquely do this with great passion. That God has called us to do this unapologetically. That God has called us to do this in a, in a way that, that really challenges people to love God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. Now, as you begin to just underscore vision with people, do you realize there's going to be a reaction to it? If you get a vision, there's going to be a reaction. When Jesus declared the vision, there were all sorts of reactions that began to manifest before we even get out of the chapter. I mean, you always think about at the end of his life when he's fixing to be crucified, that we, we begin to think about all the reactions to his life and ministry. Listen, we don't even get out of Luke's gospel chapter 4 before we begin to see some reaction to what Jesus said. That's how you know you got vision. If vision doesn't cause some reaction around you, then you better go back to the drawing board. I mean, it ought to, it ought to solicit something. People ought to either say, wow, or, or get out. I mean, it ought to do something. Nobody can walk away neutral about vision. Vision tends to demand a verdict of some sort. Vision is what knocks apathy out of you. And it'll knock apathy out of everyone else. They'll call you single-minded. Yes, you are. 
It's interesting because Jesus, as he speaks this vision, begins to get these reactions. I just want to suggest some things to you that we see in his life. The first thing it did here in verse 22, it said that all bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words. And so for some, the first reaction was awe. Now, we kind of got silly last week when we were talking about this. But this is the wow factor. A vision from God should produce some wow in people. Wow. Now, folks, that ought to be something that makes sense because because I'm not going to lay my life down. I'm not going to lay my money down. I'm not going to lay my time down. I'm not going to lay my energy down. I'm not going to lay any of this stuff down for less than a wow. I mean, if I'm going to bleed my account dry, I want some wow in the thing. Folks, we're here to help bring about the heart of God toward our city. We're believing for nothing less than an awakening. If God shuts cities down by His presence in the mid-1800s, then I believe in the 21st century God can still do it again. Wow, why not? See, I've received prophecies, I mean, from three, four different people. They've just spoke over my life. What Whitfield couldn't do, God's going to use you to help do that on the eastern seaboard. I've had people prophesy on different occasions about words of reformation to this generation. I know what people say. People say, but you're all alone in a mall. But I see a preferable future. Doesn't matter where you are, it's what you see. That's the key. I mean, they threw Whitfield in jail and they ran him off to John's Island. And so the Great Awakening never came to Charleston. I don't think that's fair. I think that the city God has put me in should experience a Great Awakening. I believe that. I believe that our region should be absolutely rocked by the power of God. I believe that South Carolina ought to be shook by God's presence. And you say, oh, that's just preacher words. It is seeing a preferable future. I'm not seeing our state go down the tubes. I'm seeing our state being birthed in righteousness. See, you got to start getting some wow factor in on this. Wow. Really? You really believe that? Yeah, why not? What, what, what do you want to believe? Like you want to believe like, well, I, we'll just believe somebody trips in the doors next week. I'll believe my account for that, wouldn't you? Are you with me? you got to get some wow, some awe. And it inspired, for some people, Jesus said this, and they're going, wow, this is incredible. Secondly, though, real quickly behind it, and forgive the big word, but it's the only word that I could find that adequately underscored it, it revealed incredulity. Isn't that a great word? Come to church and learn a new word. Everybody together, say incredulity. Say, so you'll use that this week. Incredulous, incredulity. Because look in that same verse, it said this. It said that they marveled at the gracious words, but they said, is this not Joseph's son? The people were just incredulous. Or in other words, they just couldn't believe. It just, it just, it just, it was like they just, you know, it was like they were blowing it off. That anyone would think that they could do what Jesus just declared his vision was to do. They were beginning to say, this is impossible. This is impossible. We are looking, now understand, we know, see, 
we've got 2,000 years and we're born again, hopefully, and we're looking at Scripture and we say to ourselves, that's Jesus, man, this guy's Jesus. Of course, Jesus can do anything Jesus wants to do. But you've got to understand, in that day, they weren't seeing Jesus, they were seeing Joseph's son. See, that's different. They were just seeing this, this boy who'd grown up in a carpenter's house. He's no nation shaker. He's not a world changer. He's just a carpenter. I mean, come on now. We've watched Jesus for years. I mean, Jesus is some 30 years old right now, and we've watched him for years. And I can tell you this. I've seen it. He puts his toga on the same way I do. I mean, my, ba- my sister babysat him years ago. I'm telling you. Do not feed him the strained prunes. I know you're going, you're talking about Jesus. Yeah, I know. I know he grew up 30 years, just like any one of us. I know. And, and they're looking and they're saying, no, this, this, is, this is not possible. This, this is just, this is Joseph's son. I understand how people do this. They do the same with me. They'll just go, that's just Kevin. Well, If that's all you can see and hear, then, like I've said before, that's all you'll get. But if you can begin to see beyond my clay feet, and you can begin to hear the heartbeat of God, and you can begin to see a preferable future, and you can get your eyes off of this natural world and natural people, and you can begin to see something beyond beyond the sad state that you're in, and you can begin to see that something can begin to change inside of you. See, I listen, to, I listen to ministries on television. I'll get their CDs and tapes. And I'm telling you, I'll listen to that. And I know they aren't perfect people. And I know more stories than you guys know. But there's something in me that says, I'm going to hear the voice of God here in just a minute. All through the years, people have said, probably to you as well, if you've had a vision, oh, that'll never happen. I've had people look at me and say, oh, Pastor Beard, you're too demanding. You expect too much. People aren't ready for that. You can't do that in the South. Well, like like somehow or another the South is exempt from God. Well, maybe you can't do it in the North. I know you can't do it in the Arctic. Or in the desert. I mean, listen to us. You can't you can't do that. You're just you're just. Kevin, you're just, you're just this, you're just that. I've had, I had a guy one time, a pastor, get me in a parking lot and, and look at me and, and, and say, I gotta share something with you. And, and he said, I just wanna say, first off, and you know it's not gonna end well. First off, he go and he complimented me and had said all these wonderful complimentary things. And then he said, but I just, I just, you just need to know that you can't grow a church shaving people that close. Preaching truth like you preach it. He said, Kevin, nobody handles the word like you handle it. But I'm just telling you, you can't grow a church like that. My vision is not necessarily to grow a church. That would be a wonderful thing. I would want to grow a church, wouldn't you? But that's not the call of God. The call of, we, we have bowed at the altar of church growth when the call is to set a city free. It's to set people free. To loose them. From the grip of the enemy. To get them out of their addictions. To get them out of their bondages. To get them functional again in their marriages and their families. I don't. You can be full of the devil and sitting in church. And I can feel better about myself. But it doesn't do kingdom business. 
You see, a vision's got to be bold. It's got to be over the top. If it's not impossible, it's not worthy of God. If it's possible, then we can do it. But if it's impossible, only God can do it. I'd like to just hang there with a minute, incredulity. I mean, you're going to hear people look at your life and, and they'll tell you it'll never be different. They'll look at you and say, you'll never change. It'll never happen. And you're going to have to just somehow shut it down, shut it off, and keep your preferable future in front of you. You say, Pastor, you're in a daydream. Then do not wake me up. Because I would rather look at what God has painted than to see what the world would give me. Number three, this is just reaction to Jesus. It was not appreciated by those closest to him. Isn't that interesting? He says here in verse 24, I say to you, a prophet, no prophet is accepted in his own country. He goes to his own hometown. You would think in his own hometown, people would just be really encouraging to him. In his own hometown, you would think people would say, man, yeah. Jesus, we're for you. Go, go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. I mean, you would, have, you would have thought that would have happened. But his own hometown would not jump on board. In fact, it was interesting. Later, when he just taught about communion, most of his disciples, except the original ones, left him. They just left him hanging. And you all know the story. His treasurer betrays him. His closest protege, Peter, denies him. And I want you to know that these things can happen if you're in vision. When you are on a mission from God, much like the Blues Brothers, when you're on a mission from God, and it's amazing. We'll go watch the Blues Brothers who are on a mission from God, but we think, we think a pastor or someone's crazy because he's on a mission from God. I'm on a mission from God. Not everyone cheers you. I'm glad for you guys, though. You guys will, like, cheer me. It's like, that's great. I'm going to keep you. I, I mean, but not everybody cheers you. You know what this is like. You get a vision. God gives you, when, when you get born again and you start getting a vision for, for the life of a disciple, that's usually the first vision a Christian gets. They get born again, and then they begin to see what life could be like walking with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you find out not everybody's cheering you. Not everybody's saying, oh, I'm so glad you found God. No, at first they'll probably cheer you a little bit because you were just probably a knucklehead. And, and, they, and they're glad you got a little religion because you needed something to kind of knock off the edges that was irritating everybody. So they're probably glad you got a little. But when they find out you got it to the bone. Now, now, now we wanted you to get religion, but we had no idea you were going to be this serious about it. I lost, Tracy knows this, I lost, I lost a, I lost, I lost a girlfriend because she wanted me saved, but she didn't want me as saved as I got. Her loss, that's right. Isn't that true? We want them saved, but not that saved. Lord, just kind of save them. Just, you know, well, I, oh boy, I got so many funny thoughts going through my mind right now. Now listen to me, love them, you can bless them on their journey, but it cannot stop you. I'm talking to some, some of you young people too, because, because I'm telling you, Jesus is getting down to the bone. And, 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 and you love your parents, you honor your parents, you respect your parents, but I'm telling you, mom and dad cannot determine your fervency. 
hear it from a guy who's lived it. I set my alarms. I got up. I was in the house of God. I I walked with the Lord because I had a vision of a preferable future for my life. I was not going to live the life that I had been watching around me. I wanted a different life. We bless them. We honor them. We're not out to irritate anybody. But it will not stop me. People will come and go out of your life. You want people to connect. I want you. Listen to me right now. I want every one of you that are in this room right now. I want, I want you. I want you to know this is my desire. I want you to connect with this place. I want you to connect with me covenantally. I want you to connect with the vision and the heartbeat and the passion. I really do. I want people to connect with that. Because if we can begin to see greater people uh, connect with resource and all the things that can come, we can begin to do the vision that God has called us to do. And that's a, that's a great thing. But listen to this. People will come and they will go. But I still see a preferable future. I still see it. We will love them. And if God calls them on, that's great. But the train don't stop. Number four, this is just reactions to Jesus. It was a source of irritation to some. It says, so all those in the synagogue, verse 28, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Isn't it amazing? He preaches a message and people get irritated. Now, that would never happen here. I know that. I just, I just know that would never happen in the 21st century. To preach a message and someone get mad at what they hear? It says here that people just got downright mad at Jesus. They're sitting in church. He preaches this message and they get irritated. I mean, how can you get irritated over? He's going to open blind eyes and set people free and declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And people get mad. It's always been an amazing thing to me. That you can look people in the eye and say, I want the best for you. God wants the best for you. He wants to bring you out of your dysfunctions and your problems and your bondages and you can do and they get mad at you i just have never understood this it's like what do you want i mean you enjoy getting blasted every weekend and puking your guts out and you're happy with that group but you're mad at me we are in an alternate universe here but if you've got a vision your vision will irritate some i mean the number of moments that i have irritated people is just it's beyond me and then people this is what's interesting and this is the hardest part is because people you irritate someone and they get mad or they'll leave or something and then everyone else will wonder well i wonder what pastor did to make him mad well you know what i did to him i told him the truth i gave him a scripture i even said it with a smile And they got mad. And you're wondering, well, what did pastor do to offend them? I told them they had the devil in them. I can't believe you did that. Why? Jesus said it to Peter. I've never, listen, I can only think of one time I've even done that. I mean, that's not even like an every week deal. But the number of moments is just innumerable. And it's amazing how the enemy does that. It says somebody gets offended, somebody leaves, somebody gets irritated. And everybody goes, what pastor do? What pastor do? pastor just told him the truth. What do you want me to do? Lie? Now, I know two of you didn't. But think about that for just a minute. Because truth of the matter is, 
Yeah, there are some people that would say, well, it probably would have been good if you just would have. You see, the vision is not getting them to stay. The vision is getting them on board. But it'll be irritating to some. I'll go, man, I don't know. All right, all right. We love you. God bless you. Hope life's good to you. See you later. Number five. Listen to this. The reaction, it brought, it literally brought opposition. Verse 29. And it says, after they got irritated, it says, and rose up and thrust him out of the city. They led them to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. The crowd was ready to throw, get this, Jesus. You remember Jesus, the one whom you have thought and people have thought Jesus would do nothing to offend anybody. I, I, I am so I'm so up to here with this stuff. People who say that have never read their Bible. The minute somebody says, well, this isn't how Jesus would act. You don't know how Jesus would act. Let me tell you something. Jesus was whooping people in the church one time. He, I mean, he took the time to see what was going on and make himself a whip. It wasn't that he needed time to cool off. He thought about it and got his whip. So don't give me this stuff about uh, what would Jesus do? I know exactly what Jesus do. He'd irritate everybody. Uh, that's what people, oh, if only Jesus were our pastor. You would want me back. I mean, they're ready to throw him off a cliff. Can you imagine starting your ministry that way? You declare the vision and everybody gets in a huddle in the corner and goes, we're throwing this guy off the cliff. How would you like starting your vision with a group going, we're tossing you off the cliff? You know why most people are visionless? Most people are visionless because they're too worried about what everyone else will think. The reason we don't press out of our bondages is because we like the people that keep us in our bondage. We like the addiction friendships. We like the dysfunctionality that we get to operate. We like the world system. And the reason we're visionless is because we are so busy wanting everyone to go, ooh, ah, we, that we aren't seeing that preferable future. They don't like opposition. I don't like opposition. I hate opposition. I mean, I don't, you know, it's not, you don't sit up at night saying, how can I irritate everybody? How can, Lord, give me a word to really just irritate everybody today. I, I want a word that, that I just can just absolutely make somebody flaming mad. Hear me, there are moments in everyone's life and in every ministry. There are moments of favor and there can be moments of adversity. And here's the key to congregational maturity. It's when you know that there is a time for every season and a purpose under heaven. You get in seasons of adversity and you find out who will go to battle with you. There's no other way to figure it out than to be in adversity. You figure out who really understands covenant when adversity comes. You, you, that's, that's the only way you can figure it out. Because when everything's favorable and you're the hottest commodity in the city, everybody loves you. But, you, but let me tell you, you won't shake a nation... Just because everybody's clapping for you. You got to make sure the power of God's moving. And sometimes when the power of God's moving, you got folks, yes, that are clapping. Praise God for them. But you got others that are conniving. So, so the bottom line is what Paul said 
when he faced adversity, this is what he said. He said, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. I'm just not going to be disobedient to it. I, you know what, I may, I, I may lose a friend or two along the way. There may be some, be some folks that say we haven't signed up for that. I'm cool with that. God bless you, we love you. I'm not trying, listen, I want you to stay. Please don't go. I want you to be here. I desire it. I'm praying that God would set you here. I ran a video that said you're here. But listen, listen. The, the 40... 45 more years, 50 years God gives me is minuscule compared to the eternity I'm going to stand with Him. And I got that vision. I got it. I got it. So I'm not going to be disobedient. I just, I just can't. I can't. I'm just out of my nature. Number six. But here's the good part. Let's get to some good news here. Number, verse 30, it says that the, one of the reactions to the vision was it released supernatural ability. It says that when they're ready to toss him off the cliff, that all of a sudden Jesus begins to walk through this sea of people untouched. It's almost like how God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites. All of a sudden the people just began to part and they're ready to toss him off the cliff. But suddenly Jesus just begins to walk through the crowd untouched, unharmed. See, whenever God guides you, especially in your vision, he will resource it with supernatural happenings and abilities. When you're in his vision, he will send supernatural assistance to you. God's not going to send supernatural assistance to just your will or your wish, but he will. He will send power to his vision. Jesus received supernatural happenings just when it was needed. I mean, even for him, it was just right on time. They had him on the edge of the cliff, but God came through. Sometimes you're going to be on the edge of your cliff. Saying, why in the world did I open up my mouth? Why did I even say this thing? I should have just kept my mouth shut. I shouldn't have said what I said. And they're ready to toss me off the cliff. But if it was in the vision, God will make a way. He'll make a way for you. There's protection. And covering. I believe that when you're in God's vision, there's protection to it. Because it's His vision. I mean, when you're in his purposes, you're not going anywhere. Do you understand? The greatest source of security for me is this. That if I'm doing what God tells me to do, I can go nowhere until God says it's time to go. Jesus couldn't even die until he was able to say, it is finished. I'm not going anywhere until I'm able to say before the Lord, it is finished. So that's why I'm saying the, the vision that pumps in me, it's going to take at least another five decades I'm not going anywhere. No plane crash, no automobile accident. Nobody's going to run in here and take a shot at me. If they do, some angel will stand before me and take the bullet. I'm not going anywhere because I am in the vision. The vision. There is a protection in the vision. I'm not worried about dirty bomb. Ain't no dirty bomb coming to Charleston. I live in Charleston. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not that I'm all that. It's just vision. You get a church with vision, it is unstoppable. The safest, the safest place to be at times, listen to this, may be the riskiest looking. But if it's in the will of God, you're okay. You're okay. And lastly, number seven, it produced greater authority. We're going to end with this. Verse 32. 
It says, and they were astonished at his teaching. For his word was with authority. Jesus may not have been able to crack Nazareth, but he had favor and authority, the Bible says, in Capernaum. And because of what took place in Nazareth, God granted to him a name and a ministry and a vision that began to reach the world. Let me, let me just say, there, there may be places you're run out of, and there may be places they don't want you, and there may be places that just close the door to you. Listen to me. If you'll handle it right, and you'll keep your vision right, God will just use those moments in order to give you more. Nazareth may not have wanted him, but you know the world doesn't begin and end in Nazareth. There are times in your life that you thought, you know, that, that you, know, you had something and it was all that. I'm just telling you, the world doesn't begin and end in that little limited situation. But, but if, you'll, if you'll be faithful in it and you'll let God work with you in it and you'll press through all whatever's going on and, and God will close doors and open doors, but I'm telling you, he'll give you, he'll give you greater authority. We are just around the corner, and I'm going to end with this. I believe that legacy is just around the corner from some of the greatest days we've ever had. In just a few weeks, we as a people, we as a church, will celebrate our seventh birthday. Now, I, I'll just tell you, we, we are today where we are today in so many ways, is not where we were seven years ago. And I'd just like to say hallelujah. Because you know what my original, my original vision was this. It could be summed up in one word. Survival. Survival. The personal pain and wounds made it hard to hear or to see God's entire plan. You know, sometimes... Sometimes it's just the way life deals you. I mean, you're, 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 you're hurting, you don't understand, there's confusion, there's all sorts of things that happen. And, and can I just share this with you? A lot of times, you, before you just leap, you, you, I never leap into nothing. You better leap into what you know God is saying. And the only thing I knew was, is that he brought me to this city. That's all I knew. I mean, that's it. I, Lord, I cannot move from this place. I didn't mean I liked it. As a matter of fact, there have been days I have not liked this place. But we have come to terms with all of that. To now where I look at it and I love it. I can't imagine being anywhere else. And, and there are those moments, though, that you're just, you're just, you're, you're, you're beat up, you're punched out. <clears throat> they ran you to the cliff, but, you know, God gave you a supernatural breakthrough and that was cool. But it still does I mean, it still doesn't leave you with the feeling they were trying to run me off the cliff. And so sometimes what you do is, and I know this isn't a, a great saying, but I guess I'm going to give it to you anyway. You just fake it till you make it. You just... You just, you just do what you know to do and it doesn't feel like the thing to do. It doesn't work you all up. It doesn't, it doesn't fix you but, you, but you're obedient. You, you can't keep capitulating to your feelings. You just keep being obedient. And when we started Legacy seven years ago, I was well aware of the fact that the attrition rate of new churches, new startups are just astronomical. In fact, they tell you that a church startup is in the ICU four to five years before it's viable. 
That's statistically speaking. Now, I know there were people that were actually believing for a lot less than that as to whether we would make it or not. But here's the good news. We've not only gone past the statistical ICU unit numbers. We're moving into our seventh year. Come on, I'm going to say it again. Seventh year. I just believe seven is a number that God likes. Seven, seven. And I just, I believe this with all of my heart. Seven. And we're not the same church we were seven years ago. I'm here to tell you, I am not the same pastor I was seven years ago. And I'm kind of glad I got rid of that one. I hope you could say the same of yourself. That you're not the same person you were seven years ago. Because if you are, then it's time for a new day for you. We stand at the dawn of a new day. We stand, I believe, I believe that the door is opening in the seventh year to the favorable year of the Lord. I believe it. This is the seventh year. You know, there are seasons of adversity and we have faced seasons of adversity. But there are seasons of favor as well. And I've lived through my adversity and you've lived through some adversity and you know what? We ought to just be okay and, and, and we can feel good about the fact that we faced some adversity. We may have been on the brink of some cliffs, but we didn't throw in the towel and we didn't quit and we didn't pick up and take off and we didn't say, I'm not going to do it. But we moved through adversity and God says, it is now your season of favor. It's your season of favor. This ministry, I'm prophesying it because of all that we've been through. Let me tell you something. You may have gone through consecrate classes or consecrate weekends. You may have gone through some things with the Lord that has pulled you inside out and upside down and pulled your tail through a knot hole and, and he's knocked off these big chips out of your life and he's pruned you down to the bare bark. I'm telling you, he did all that because the season is upon us to blossom to the world. To blossom to the world. Let me tell you, when I tell you that God is about ready to open up a door to unveil His people and His church and this ministry, He's going to unveil us to the world. It's not because we're all that. It's because we've been prepared. It won't go to our heads. It better not. But it'll drive us to our knees. Obscurity is just about over. Unveiling is just about ready to take place. Cathedral is who we were. The church is who we're becoming. We are the church. The church. The church. I'm telling you, everything from that letter that I read to you this morning about that dear lady in the United Kingdom to the 33 different nations that somehow, some way tune into what we're doing here at a mall in Charleston, South Carolina. 33 nations are tuning in. I'm telling you, whether it's local television or whether it's getting to go to a local radio station and talk about character and integrity and ministry and all of these kinds of things. I'm telling you, doors are beginning to open, folks. You, you, just, you just get ready. Your season is changing our season cannot change unless your season changes. Tracy gets to go to the First Baptist Church of James Island and 
We get to influence churches there, bless their heart. I'm just telling you, our season, our day is changing. And it's because of vision. It's because of vision. And it's because it's God's vision. I'm convinced of that. I'm sold on it. It is not to diminish anyone else's. It's just simply to say, I have bought into this one. It is God's vision that we do what we've been called to do. Would you stand with me? Spirit of God, thank you for being with us this morning. I want to just rekindle inside of people today. And guys, I want you to begin to prepare back there. Our ending here in just a moment. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you begin to rekindle the fire of vision inside of your people. Lord, I'm praying right now for each individual that hears my voice in this room this morning. Lord, I appreciate the, the attachment and the knitting that all of these people, I know there are some who are on vacation and some who are away. It's the last week before a lot of things get sort of back to normal in the fall. So I know some are away. And I appreciate, Lord, that, that you would bless them and protect them as they travel. But, Lord, for the folks that would call this place home, first I want to say thank you for, for their lives. Thank you, Lord, for that people, Lord, who have weathered storms, who have stood strong, who have given of their resources, who have invested, invested in a picture, a vision Lord, it would be easy if there was this great, grand facility over, over tens of acres to be able to point to. And people could say, I can, I can see it with my natural eyes. But Lord, all I've had to offer people is just an intangible inner vision. And these people, Lord, have stepped up and in and have done so many things to help bring that picture to pass. Lord, I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their sacrifices. I thank you for their commitments. Lord, I thank you for their good spirit. I thank you, Lord, that they're the group that's cheering and saying, wow. Lord, I thank you for that. We all need that. And Lord, as I pray to rekindle the vision of this house, Lord, I'm praying right now for every individual now in this room that you would begin to stir in them a vision personally as well. Somehow, some way, I, I don't know how you do it, but you can do it, Lord, that you cause the personal vision of our life to be attached to corporate vision, and they're all linked up together. That's how you called the children of Israel into their destiny. You brought them in as a people, and yet when they got into the land, they got their personal destiny. That's an amazing, miraculous thing. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would sharpen vision in this place. That, Lord, we would not be detoured by what we see with our natural eyes, but that we would be locked in to see our preferable future. We see what you've painted before us. Lord, I believe you're rekindling that this morning. I believe you're renewing people's purpose. You're renewing their passion. I'm speaking passion right now. Some of you need to get a passion for what, for what God is asking of you to do. You, you just got to get passionate about it. There's too much lethargy and apathy. And, and, and God's knocking the lethargy and the apathy out of us. He's causing us just to be consumed with Him. He's not asking you to be a nut or a weirdo. He's just asking you just to be consumed with Him. In the name of Jesus. Lord, work that in us right now as we stand before you.
I believe you're doing some very, very important things here. Very, very important things. How many right now before we're going to sing and then we're going to dismiss here in just a moment. But before I go, with every head bowed, I just want to ask, would you be honest enough to say, I'm talking personally, I'm not talking corporately, but just personally. You might be honest enough to say, you know what, Pastor, I've, I've either lost my personal vision, I've never had a personal vision, or boy, it, the embers of it have gotten really low before this morning. Would you, be, would you be honest enough just to say, that was me, boy, that was me. Yeah, just keep your hands up for just a minute. Lord, you see these hands. I'm praying for these people right now. Lord, that you would that you would unveil to them their personal destinies. That you would begin to speak to them, Lord, in dreams and visions. You would paint for them, Lord, a picture that they could begin to see as to what you're leading and drawing them to. Lord, it doesn't mean it's going to happen next week. It may take us several decades for it to come to pass, but Lord... If we keep it before us, you will, you will enflesh it. You will, you will put it together. Lord, do that for these people especially. Rekindle what's been lost. Lord, release what they need right now. Give them a hope. Let their imaginations just be unleashed to begin to see what you have for them. In Jesus' name, you can drop your hands. We're going to sing here in these last moments. And, and, and it's, it's that great song from Bethany. And guys, if you want to go ahead and punch that and throw the words up on the screen and uh come on crease us a little bit because we're the church today right come on folks we're the church we're not we're not the kiwanas we're not a civic group we are the church we're the church let's sing we are alive filled with your glorious life Out of the dark Into your marvelous light We are waiting With expectations Spirit raised Summer we belong Moving with power Bringing your name to the earth Singing your praises Lifting up glorious songs
That's an awesome thought. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask this question before we go real quick. I'm only going to take 30 seconds. If, you're, if you can't say I'm a part of the church, you know how you're a part of the church? I'm not talking about membership. I'm not talking about that. I'm not, you're not joining a church. But to be a part of the church, you've got to open up your heart to Jesus. I just feel like this morning that if, if you're not right with God, if you've never opened up your life to Jesus Christ, if right now that your life has been sort of wayward and you've walked away, we're not debating a decision you may have made 10 years ago. That's great. I, I, that really doesn't, doesn't mean that much at this moment to me as much as I want you on target today. Today, Jesus said. Today is the day of salvation. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, you can walk out of here with a brand new vision that will give you the dawn of a new day. But you've got to get yourself right. You've got to let God come and begin to work in you. 
in 30 seconds. I won't take long. If no one comes, then we'll just leave and rejoice. But somehow I think there are probably some that before they went today, you just say, you know, I'm going to step out and pastor, I'm going to come and join you right here down at the front and just say, it's my, it's my new day. It's my new chapter. I'm getting things right with God before I leave the house of God. If you just slip out, I can only give you 30 seconds, but it's more than enough time. Come on. I've got to, I've got to start getting some things right here. I got to start getting some things right here. God bless you. Come on. Come on. I got to start getting some things right here. Come on, how about you? Anybody else? Before we go? Just before we go? I need a couple guys to come down. Praise God. You just keep coming, man. It's cool. Just come on. I just, I just want to say, I need a new chapter. I need a new chapter. I, I just need a dawn of a new day, man. God's going to give you one. He's going to give you one. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? I want you to, you guys have encouraged me so incredibly today. That's a powerful thing. A powerful, powerful thing. Amen. I want everybody, we're the church, everybody together. I want you, you all here to join with me. And I want everyone in the house to begin to pray with me. So together, let's say, in Jesus' name. name. I've come this day day. to open a new chapter. chapter. Lord, I invite you. Into my life. In a fresh way. In a brand new way. I confess all my sins of the past. And because you've empowered me. I'm turning and repenting. And I'm walking with you. I believe in my heart. <laughs> you were raised from the dead. That you're giving me a new name. Uh, that you're giving me a new day. And I'm receiving it right now. I am. Right with you. Because of the blood. And I can. Expect new things. Because of what I've done today. I've got a great future. Because I'm seeing it now. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. This is good. Hey, don't, I don't want to go yet. God's got a new day for you. You believe that? I believe that too. God bless you. God's got such a good day for you. Big guy, God's got a good day for you. Marty, you believe he's got a new chapter? I sure do. I believe that. Jeanette, do you believe that? God bless you. I want you to come back to Charleston to see me, all right? Do you believe that, Linda? God bless you. Amen. God bless you. I love seeing brand new days, don't you? Amen. Give the Lord one more great big hand clap. Can we do that before we go today? Hey, it's a new day. I got mine. You got yours. Hallelujah. Hey. Hug each other around the neck. Make sure you hug the folks here too as well down front. Love them, man. Bring them in. God bless you. You are released. You are released.